0: Thank you, choir, for leading us in worship. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 is our text for today. Hear the word of God. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all and especially for those of the family of faith. Let us pray together. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the many gifts that you have given to each of us as a congregation. And we thank you that in Jesus Christ you make us one and you work through our variety of gifts to do your work. Now we pray that you would be with us as we examine what it means to do good in Jesus' name, but to do so in such a way that we do not grow weary, but are able to sustain a life of witness and worship and service for your kingdom our whole lives long. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let us not grow weary in doing what is right. Our Sanctuary Bible, the New International Version, says, Let us not become weary in doing good. King James Version of the Bible says, let us not be weary in well doing. And then the message translation says, So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good. It's important to note that Paul is not making a commandment here. He doesn't say, Thou shalt not grow weary in doing good. Instead, he's making a common sense, it seems to me, a common sense observation and warning us to live with wisdom. He's saying something like this. Be careful because when you do good, even when you do it in Jesus' name, it can wear you out. It's hard. It is not easy. So be on guard. Be aware. Be intentional as you go about the work that you've been called to do and do it in a sustainable kind of way. Let us not grow weary in doing what is right, in doing what is good. Maybe this happens to you, you start a project around the house and at first you're excited and you're energized, but things do not move as quickly as you would like for them to move. And before you know it, you've become weary in doing the good of whatever it is that you've set out to do, and you are no longer doing it. Or maybe this is you, it's uh, almost March, and you've already forgotten about the New Year's resolutions you made at the beginning of the year, just a short, less than two months ago. Because by January 3rd, it was too hard to keep up that resolution, and you stopped Doing it, I'm I'm probably only talking to a person who probably only talking to myself about this. So if it's hard for us to sustain projects or practices or resolutions that we make that are significant but not of deep significance, usually, then surely we can expect that it just might be difficult for us to sustain the lifelong call of bearing witness to the love of Jesus Christ, of doing good in his name, Paul is acknowledging it is possible to grow weary in doing good. There's not some kind of easy road or super secret that solves it all so that this life of service and sacrifice and doing good and witnessing to the gospel can be done easily. It is tiresome So let's be intentional as we go about doing the work that God has called us to do so that we will not grow weary in doing good. Because if we grow weary in doing good, chances are we will stop doing good. Well, Paul doesn't let us off the hook in verse 10. He says in verse 9, don't grow weary in doing good. And then he says whenever you have the opportunity, do good to all, and especially to the family of faith. The message puts it this way, uh, right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, did he say that? Every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all. He doesn't say when you're able, when you have the energy, when the time is right, when the context is right, then do good. He says whenever you have opportunity. But in these two verses, Paul doesn't tell us how. So let's reflect upon how we might live out this call to do good in the name of Jesus whenever we have the opportunity, while at the same time, not growing weary in doing good. We'll approach this with three questions. The first question is this, in what specific ways has God called you to do good in the world? In what specific ways has God called you to do good in the world? What are your gifts? What are the spiritual gifts that God has given you? What are the ability abilities? What are the circumstances where God has placed you? What are the resources that God has given you? What are the things that you are passionate about in terms of making a difference in this world? What is your season in life? Take all of these things together and then I believe we can trust that at various places in our lives, God has given us, called us to do some specific things that are unique to who we are. No one person can do everything. We have many gifts and one spirit. And because of the diversity that God places in the body of Christ, we each of us are responsible for discerning with God's help, with the help of our sisters and brothers, discerning just what it is that God has called us to do, and then to get to work doing it. And I believe that one of the ways, it's not a guarantee, but one of the ways that we reduce the likelihood of growing weary in doing good is when we know what it is that we do good the best, and we get to work doing that. Because when we're in that sweet spot, when we're doing exactly what we know God has called us to do, there's some energy there. We still get tired, but more often than not, it's a good tired because we know we're right where we need to be doing exactly what we need to do. Uh, We've got a wonderful objective in our vision document. Last year, we... Uh, establish five vision statements for our church, and then we put objectives uh, underneath each uh, vision statement. The objective for our mission statement says this. Uh, This is objective number one. So we put a really high value on it. Every person, that means all of us in our church, knows... His or her God given mission and spiritual gifts, and is engaged in serving people in our community and around the world. The language of our document is aspirational. We are striving for these things, and we're speaking using language as if they are already true. And so we are setting this as a goal that we aspire to, that every one of us will know our God given mission and our gifts and abilities, and use them, put them to work in the service of the kingdom to give witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And later in the spring, Alicia and I are working on a a document that we'll share with Sunday school classes that will help us reflect upon, each of us to reflect upon those gifts, those callings that God has placed on our lives. So I look forward to telling you more about that and to engaging in that, but let's not wait until that comes out Let's start examining now, naming now, what are the things that God has gifted you to do and you're passionate about doing that will make a difference in our community for the kingdom of God, that will show other people uh, the love of Jesus Christ. Maybe you already know what those things are, maybe you don't. Start praying about it, thinking about it, talking with others about it. And as you discern these things, start getting to work whenever you have the opportunity. Seems to me one important way of not growing weary and doing good is to do those things, to find those things that we're best at and to get to work. Some of you may know my fondness for a Piedmont, North Carolina fast food restaurant chain known as Biscuitville. Let me just say that one more time, Biscuitville, it's just a wonderful sound to my ears. I've been eating Biscuitville biscuits for 40 years. Uh, Every time we're in the Carolinas, Uh, two weeks ago we stopped in Mount Airy, there's a Biscuitville there just off the highway, not too far off the highway, uh, to get those biscuits. Our boys have grown up with them so much so that when Davis was a toddler, he thought that biscuits were actually called Biscuitvilles. So we would be at Grammy's house, and he would say, "Grammy, I want another biscuit bill. Give me another biscuit bill." Well, this last time we were there at the Biscuitville in Mount Airy, I was shocked. I was dismayed. To my horror, Biscuitville now serves waffle sandwiches. Now, now I know. Waffle sandwiches are all the rage right now. I mean, we can get them here in town. They're everywhere. But I just got to tell you, I want my bacon, egg, and cheese on a biscuit, not a waffle. And, and here is my critique of the restaurant that, they, that I love and am still loyal to. They have been distracted from what they do best. Doesn't matter if they make the best waffle sandwich in the world, they don't, by the way, because I sampled it. (laughs) They have veered away from their purpose, from their best gifts, from what they offer that's unique to the community. So it is for us, I think each of us as individuals have to take responsibility with the help of others, but we have to take responsibility before God, before the Word, with our congregation to determine what are the one, two, three things that we do best, that we are uniquely equipped to do in the life of our church, in the life of our church's work in the community, in the life of our community, and then we go do it. We go do it. And I think if we're trying to do everything that we possibly can and we're doing things that we're not especially gifted in, it's a recipe for growing weary in doing what is good. Now, that doesn't mean that we always get to do only what we want to do and only what we're good at. There are times in your life, uh, in every area of our life, and there are certainly times in the life of our church when we need you to do something you're not good at and you don't want to do, and we need you to do it well. Uh, there was a young pastor who approached someone in the church and asked this person to do a job and, uh, for the church, and, and the church member said, Pastor, I'm not good enough to do that job. And the pastor says, Of course you're not. If we had anybody better, do you think I'd be asking you? <laughs> and that young pastor wasn't a pastor for very long. He moved on to something else. But... There is that sense in life, in family, in work, in community, and certainly in church, that there will be times when we're called upon to do things that are outside of our sweet spot, outside of that zone where we're at our best. That's okay. That's healthy. But I don't believe we can sustain that over the long haul. Each of us need to find those places where we're best, Where our gifts match and we need to offer our best to God, to the church, to the community, to the work of the Lord. So what are your gifts? What are your gifts? What are you best at? Find that out and get to work. Second question. That good that God has called you to do, if you already know it or when you discover it, Are you doing it in your own strength or are you doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit? Related question, the good that God has called us to do as a congregation, are we doing it in our own power or are we doing it in the power of the Spirit? Whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, Paul says in verse 10. But it's not an isolated idea that he just drops into the letter. It's an idea that's uh, embedded in the entire argument he's making in the letter. We talked about this last week. Uh, Paul travels to the Galatian region, uh, which is in modern-day Turkey, and he proclaims the gospel, and people embrace Jesus by faith. And then he establishes churches. He helps them get started and moves on to the next missionary assignment. And after Paul leaves the Galatian region, some rival preachers and teachers come into town and they say to the Galatian Christians and to the Galatian churches, you thought you had it all right, but there's something Paul didn't tell you. You have to believe in Jesus and you have to follow all the ins and outs of the Jewish laws and tradition. The men have to follow circumcision. Everybody has to follow the strict dietary laws. You have to observe all the festivals and religious holidays in specific ways. And if you don't do that, You're really not a Christian. And to Paul's horror, the people in Galatia are listening to these rival teachers. And so he writes this whole letter to call them back, to call them on the carpet, but also to win them back to faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. Uh, That's what the letter uh, is about And then in the process of calling them to live by faith in Christ alone, he also calls them to live not by their own strength, but to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. He talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, generosity, gentleness, and self-control. And Paul does not speak of these things as virtues, that we develop on our own, he speaks of these things as fruit of the Spirit. These are the fruit of the Spirit. These are characteristics that the Spirit grows in you, that the Spirit births in you, that the Spirit generates and produces in you. You don't produce it, we don't produce it ourselves. Instead, we open ourselves to the work of the Spirit, and the Spirit then makes us fruitful, by making us peaceful and joyful and full of love and gentleness and self-control. And then Paul says in uh, verse 25 of chapter 5, if we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. So uh, with that same uh, work sometime in the spring where we're going to talk about uh, our gifts, our callings, We're also gonna talk about the different spiritual practices that God has given us to engage in. Practices like prayer and reading the scriptures, listening to the scriptures, and practices like being here in worship. And many of us already have decades' worth of experience in developing these kinds of practices. Some of us don't, so there'll be sharing and teaching, but it's going to be an intentional time, uh, starting, we hope, in our Sunday school classes, where we reflect upon the spiritual practices that we engage in. And here's the thing about these practices. They are habitations of the Holy Spirit. They are places where the Holy Spirit meets us. As we pray, the Spirit meets us and shapes us and molds us into the image of Jesus Christ. As we listen to God's word and reading the scriptures, the Holy Spirit meets us there and empowers us to do the good that we've been called to do. And as we worship God together, the Spirit meets us here and works against us, guards against us, becoming weary in doing good, for it is such an easy thing to become weary in doing good. And so, if we want to avoid that, we make sure we gather and worship so that we worship God together as a congregation. And we offer ourselves to the one who says, I'm with you always. And we remind ourselves that, as important as the good that we do is, what's most important is the work that God does and that God does through us. And so we gather in worship each week to remind ourselves to confess, to profess, that God's work matters most. The end of verse 9, Paul speaks of reaping a harvest uh, at harvest time. He speaks of we'll reap at harvest time. Uh, Translations are different on verse 9, but the context, especially as we look at verses 7 and 8, suggests that Paul is talking about the time when Jesus returns. And on that day, all will be good. Christ will come to judge and Christ will come to fully birth the new creation and fully establish the kingdom of God. And when all of these things happen, when that's said and done, all will be good as God wants it to be good. And because of that, which we remember in worship, it helps us not to grow weary in doing good because we know it's not up to us. And it helps us know that our good work in whatever small and tiny way is, is caught up in the good work that God is doing and that God will one day bring to completion. Our family has a wonderful friend named Mrs. Williams. She lives in Helena, Arkansas. And if anyone has reason to be weary in doing good, it is Mrs. Williams. We served with her for seven summers for a week on a mission trip. Her husband uh, had a stroke and is bound to a wheelchair and she cares for him tirelessly. She cares for the church, her church, their church, does just about everything at that church. Church would fall apart without her. And she cares for the children of the community. It's a It's a tough place to live. The factories left long ago. There are no jobs to speak of. Uh, Drugs and and crime, violence, it's, it's everywhere. It's a tough place to grow up. And Mrs. Williams is there. She is the mother, the grandmother to so many children in that community. And I wonder, how does she do it? how does she not grow weary in all of the good that she does? And part of it is she knows how to pray. Oh, she knows how to pray. And part of it is she knows the Bible and she reads it every day. She knows it backwards and forwards. But I believe that in addition to these crucial elements, Mrs. Williams is sustained in her faith and she doesn't grow weary in doing good because of her commitment to worship God with her sisters and brothers in church every Sunday. She gathers every week with her congregation to praise God to lift up the praises she gathers every week in worship to thank God for her for their many blessings and in the context of this consistent week after week offering of herself to God forgetting about her problems for a moment praying for the community God sustains her and she does not grow weary In doing good. Mrs. Williams then leads me to a third and final question for us Am I, are you, are we currently candidates for weariness? In other words, are we doing enough good? that weariness is an actual possibility? Are we as a church doing enough of the good work that Jesus calls us to do in our community that we're at risk of being fatigued as a congregation? I ask it in somewhat of a facetious manner. We're, we're not called to uh, desire weariness in doing good it's not like a badge of honor it's not like uh, if we're not weary uh, there's something wrong with us but i do ask with some seriousness when you read this text verse 9 do not grow weary in doing good for myself for us i do think we need to ask does this text really apply to our lives right now? Is doing good in the name of Jesus such a priority that we're doing it enough that we actually might get tired because we're doing it? It's easy to get so caught up in our own lives that we lose sight of the larger call to do good to all and to our family of faith in this place. And we're all tempted to live self-absorbed lives where very little gets done for anyone but ourselves. So before we ask how not to grow weary in doing good, we need to ask if we're doing enough good to be worried about weariness. But here's the good news. Whether we're in danger of becoming weary of doing good Or whether for whatever reason we're not doing enough good right now to be candidates for weariness. Or when we're simply weary because life is hard and our burdens are great, Jesus is with us. He's with us. He walks patiently with us. He strengthens us in our weariness even as he calls us to be all that we've been called to be and do all that we've been called to to do. And how do we know that he's with us? Because he said he would be. He promised us. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago, Matthew 28 verse 20. I'm with you always even into the end of the age. And when Paul says what he says in verse 9, do not grow weary in doing good. He says it as a person who knows the promise of Jesus when Jesus said, "Come unto me. All you that labor, all you that are weary, all that you all you that are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest." That's our hope in doing good. That's our hope in not getting weary in doing good. Our hope is in the promise of Jesus to be with us always, to give us rest and to give us strength, and to work in and through us as we do the work that he's called each of us as individuals to do and that he's called us as a church to do. May it be so for you, for me, for our congregation. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, for every person who already knows the one, two, three couple of things that you've uniquely gifted and called them to do, I pray that in this moment you would help them, us to recommit to that work. For every person who's not sure, who wonders, what is it, Lord, that you've called me to do and gifted me to do? I pray for the courage for each person in that circumstance to pray and to explore and to experiment, and to ask others to walk with them as they figure it out. Oh, Lord, I pray, we pray that you would develop in us through our attention to prayer and scripture and worship and other practices an openness to your spirit that we may do the work you've called us to do in the power of your spirit and not in our own strength. And I pray that you would help each of us in this moment to examine the question, are we even candidates for weariness in terms of the good we're currently doing? We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you walk with us. We thank you that you give us rest and you give us strength. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.